love it, love it, love it. Love all the hand slaps. Nice. Thank you, bro. Come on, this morning we're going to have communion and get into the Word. And I believe this, man. I believe that when we come together and just come to the table where Jesus just simply says, remember me. Like count the cost. Know the price that was paid. And Jesus just simply says, remember me. Remember that my body was broken, man. It was shredded for you. Remember that my blood was shed. And in the shedding of my blood, there's a sacrifice, a blood sacrifice, which was the atonement for your sin. have a God who loves you so much. And there is a specific time and there is a specific moment in the history of all eternity. That the Father said, Son, it's time. In all of eternity, there is a specific moment of time that the Father said, Son, it's time to put flesh on It's time to go live and be among those that we have created. To redeem those who have fallen. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short to the glory of God. That's what the Bible says. Every single person who's ever breathed falls short. And because of that sin, that equals death. Death means forever separated from God's presence. That's judgment, that's punishment, that's damnation in a place called hell. And if you know that God loves you so much that there is this specific moment of time that God said, Jesus, now it is. Go put flesh on and live this innocent, perfect life. For there is an exact moment that you will be hanging on a tree as the perfect sacrifice that which man cannot do which they cannot pay there's a debt that cannot be paid by us it has to be paid by the precious blood of Christ and God the Father says Sean I love you so much that I sent my son for you (laughs) and I love it because Jesus just simply says don't ever forget it remember the price that was paid and I don't know where you're at in this room I don't know where you're at online I don't know where you're at listening to this on the radio, but do you know Christ as Lord and Savior? Please hear me. There's only two teams. You're either under Father God or you're under Father Satan. One of them is your father. And the way to be on Team Jesus is only through the cross. It only is through Jesus. When you reject that, when you think I'm going to be good enough, when you think I don't want to believe that, when you think there's no, there's, there's many other ways, then the Bible says you bought into a lie. You bought into a lie. The Bible is very clear. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. My encouragement for you today is if this is your day, that you would come to know Christ as Lord and Savior, that you would confess that he is Lord, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe with your heart that God raised him from the dead. 
that you would confess, Jesus, I am done today with myself. You are master. I trust in you. I believe in you. And I believe in my heart that you are alive right now, sitting at the right hand of the Father, because, God, you raised your son from the dead. Man, if you don't know Christ in this moment, before we take communion, I want to be assured that you know Jesus Christ based on his terms, not your terms, but based on his terms. His terms are simple. Repent and believe and surrender. Repent from sin. Realize sin's the issue. Man, when God created mankind, there was no issue of sin. It was this amazing, perfect relationship with God the Father. We were meant to be in perfect fellowship with him. And then sin showed up by the work of Adam because of one man's sin. All have sinned. That's Adam. But because of one man was made righteous, on the, because the, through the cross, all have become righteous. Romans 5, when you begin to see this and understand that all have sinned, but yet because of one man, all have been made right through the precious blood of Christ. And your forgiveness has already been there. The work of the cross is done. Jesus will never return to put himself on a cross again to deal with the enemy called sin. It's dealt with once and for all. And Jesus says, listen, don't ever forget it. Don't ever forget it. Can I ask you, do you know Christ as Lord and Savior? Not on your terms, not being good enough, not going to church enough, not believing there's many other ways. I'm going to make it. Uh, God wouldn't send me to hell. Not on your terms, on his terms. All have sinned and fall short, but we need a Savior. We need a Savior. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Do you know Christ? Church, don't miss this. This could be your day. Don't miss this. This could be your day. Jesus just simply says, repent. Identify sin is the issue. Turn away from sin. Jesus says, believe in me. That means my trust is now in Christ. My trust is not in myself. My trust is not in a system. My trust is not in a church. My trust is in Jesus. Jesus, you paid the price for me. You put yourself on a cross for me. I surrender. Jesus, I owe you everything. Why don't you just bow your heads just for a moment, please? Can I ask you, where are you in this today? I don't want to go through with communion until you have a, a, an opportunity that God by his spirit might be just pushing you in a direction to say, today's the day, man, it's now. Now is the time. Please hear me, don't let anybody convince you otherwise. Do not let another whisper come in. Let God by his voice of his spirit begin to convince you that today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to make this decision before a holy God and say, I am a sinner and I need to be saved. I get it, man. I am separate from you. And if I were to die right now, man, if I were to die by the end of this day, if I were to die tomorrow without knowing you, then I know that I wouldn't make it, man. I wouldn't be on my way to heaven, but I'd be eternally forever separate from you. Today's the day of salvation. Don't miss the moment. Don't miss the opportunity. Be recognized this morning that sin is the issue and you know, man, I need a blood covering. I need 
the blood of Christ. I need to understand that Jesus died on a cross for me. I need to be saved. I need salvation. Then just simply in your spirit and in your heart, say, God, forgive me. God, I get it, man. My sin separates me from you, but sin has already been dealt with on the cross. I get that. I believe that, Jesus, you dealt with my sin issue. You came. You died. And you were raised from the dead. I trust you. And I ask that you would forgive me. And I repent from my sin. I turn from my sin. And in this moment, say, Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe when you said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody gets to the Father but through me. I believe that. Jesus, you're it. You are the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody. I get it. I can't make it myself. I get it. It's only you. It's only you. I get it. Jesus, I believe in you. Jesus, I need you. And in this moment, I just simply surrender to you. I surrender to you. Forgive me. Now, I like that he was betrayed. He took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Go ahead, please, and partake. Church, what is it that just simply Jesus says, listen, don't forget the price. Don't forget the value of the love that God has for you. There is a price to be paid church, it just screams value. It screams worth. God loved you. Gave his son for us. And Jesus said, there was a price that was paid and it was my blood. Remember this. Don't forget what it took for us to be free. What it took for us to be forgiven. What it took for us to be redeemed. What it took for us to be justified and reconciled, to go from enemy to friend. What it means to stand today to say, I am free and I am forgiven and I am saved, which means I am rescued. I have been delivered from the wrath of God. And there is a day that I get to spend eternal life with you because of what you've done for me. Jesus just simply says, don't forget it. Remember the cost. On the night that he was betrayed, he took his cup and said, there's a new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink this, as often as you drink this, do this in remembrance. Men, remember, go back to that place and never forget. Remember me. Please go ahead and partake. We love you so much. We thank you. What a day. What a day. Today we remember. Today we know it's you. We love you. We thank you. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for our forgiveness. We thank you for eternal life. God Almighty, we thank you for your grace. 
We thank you for your grace. Your grace is enough. Hallelujah. We honor you in this place and we worship you. In Jesus' name. Come on, church. Amen. Come on, church. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's go. I love it. I love it. Mm-mm-mm. Come on, welcome to Believer's Chapel, man. Wonderful to come to the table together. Wonderful to get in to his word together. Man, if you're new to BC, I'm pumped that you are with us this morning. We're going to roll. We're going to roll hot today. Uh, we're going to hit it hard today. I want you to hear this. I want you to see this. I want you to get this. Come on, I hope that we are ready. Man, I hope you come in hungry. Mike, come on, we've got to be meat eaters, man. The word of God is meat, and we've got to get off the milk and onto the meat. And today is one of the meat-eating days. Man, I want you to get this as we just continue from last week and what it is on that still small voice, what it is to truly hear from God. I mean, to really hear from God, to hear his voice. Yes, we know that we hear his voice through his word. Like, every day, I'm hoping that you are hearing from God from his word. He speaks to us from his word. You open his word and you go. You're like, oh, God, that was a word for me today. I needed that today from his word. But what is it when you are, we covered it in John 14, 15, and 16 last week that, G, that Jesus said, listen, the helper's coming. And he is going to lead you and he's going to guide you. So what happens when the Holy Spirit, who is God, reigns and dwells within you? And you're praying and you're crying out to God to lead you and guide you. And then all of a sudden, we expect him to lead us and guide us. Church, what is it that we pray for God's leading? Like trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he will direct your steps. What happens when you, God, I need your guidance. God, I need your direction. God, lead me in this. And you're praying over direction or you're, you're praying through different things of where you're at in this day, different decisions you've got to make. Man, we're asking God to lead us. Church, what is it to hear a still small voice? What is it to hear from the Holy Spirit in direction and leading and guiding? We have to believe that if we pray for God to lead us, God, I need wisdom. God, I need discernment. God, I need a word from you. God, I need to know what direction I'm called to take. God, I need you. Do we believe that he's going to leave us dry? That you got to do, like we said last week, the whole point and shoot. Just open the Bible and go to a verse, and it says this. And there are three things which are too wonderful for me, for which I do not understand. And you're like, ah, that doesn't really help me. But that must be God's word. Like, Church, what is it to believe that the Holy Spirit will speak to you in your time of direction? And today we're going to speak on something just very important on what happens when you understand your conscience that a conscience comes from God. And what is a conscience? Today we're going to look at a conscience, and we're going to look at what it is in, in knowing that our conscience can be God's guide for us, the conscience that God has set in every man's heart. Right, Romans 2.15, we'll cover that in a minute. We know that, listen, God, if it is you who put your law in my heart, that that is my conscience and that is my mind. And what is it to be able to know, watch this, to be able to know the decisions of right and wrong? See, your conscience is your moral compass. And then, do you remember when you, maybe sometimes you used to have to use a compass before all the GPS, and you, you went, okay, I gotta go east, so I'm going east. Compass says east. It used to be a thing called a paper map, <laughs> which some of you don't even know what that is. What paper map? What do you mean? Just put in the address and push send, and you're like, whoop, gives me a whole proper map, right? Well, by ships, they used to go by a compass. A compass tells you your direction, whether you're going north, south, east, or west. How crazy would it be if you have to follow a compass and the compass is broke? 
Like, oh, man, I thought we were going this direction, and we were actually heading this direction, and you're, you're knocking on the compass, and all of a sudden, north wasn't north. North was actually south, and you're in the complete wrong direction. Church, you know, your, your, your consciences, it is your, your moral compass. And if your conscience is broke, you will not understand a biblical truth of right and wrong. So how is it that we hear from God in our conscience? How is it that we, we know that we're at the door of a decision and your conscience begins to kick in and that, that, that moral awareness begins to kick in and you know that right versus wrong and the conscience is battling. You're just like, ah, man, I'm fighting my conscience. I'm fighting my conscience. Man, I, I want to do this. Paul says this in Romans. I want to do this, but I shouldn't do it, but I do do it, but I can't believe that I did that. Why do I do this wretched man that I am? And he's just in this battle of conscience going back and forth going, I know I shouldn't, but I want to, but I don't think I should. And then he's he's talking about that fight right between flesh and spirit and that's that conscience that you know right from wrong and you're battling your conscience sometimes yeah but this will be fun yeah but it's wrong yeah but I know but I just like no but and you're fighting your what happens when you fight your conscience and you lose that means you win your conscience is that moral compass conscience is that moral awareness of right and wrong in church, we live in a day and age of an Ephesians 5.20. I'm sorry, an Isaiah 5.20. We live in a day and age of an Isaiah 5.20 where right has been called wrong and wrong has been called right. We live in that day today. Isaiah prophesied of that day, and I believe that that day is today, and it is being pushed on us of that which God says is wrong that we have got to call right, and that's not going to violate my conscience. Church, we live in a country, and I love the United States of America, and it is such a great country that we have this amazing thing called freedom of speech. And it's beautiful, and this country was founded on God-driven people. God-driven men, this country was founded on. It was founded on the Word of God. And they, they gave us this amazing constitution right of freedom of speech. But isn't it crazy today? Please hear me. Isn't it crazy today? Now listen, we're, we're going to get at it here. Are you, is the center ready? Are you ready to get at it? Is the center ready? I'll be back to you in a minute. You're sleeping. It's 11. Wake up. Are you guys ready for today? All right, all right. Center, are you guys ready for today? All right, all right. Come on, left or your right, my left. Are you guys ready for today? Oh, man, you guys got banging over here, but this is the deal. Like, what happens in a day like today when, when so much even in this country wants to call that which God says is wrong, they want to call it right. And you start looking at the different things of the LGBTQ. You start looking at the different things of this, this transgenderism. You start looking at the deep confusion that this is. You start looking at what they want to do to violate children that is irreversible medicine to sex changes. Watch this, and we know that this is wrong. We know that this is delusional, but we live in a country where I have freedom of speech, but they want to squelter your freedom of speech. Watch this now. Please hear me. We're going somewhere today, and it has to do with your conscience, and it has to do with your convictions that now not, they're just not only after your freedom of speech. Watch this. They're after the freedom of your, of your own convictions that we are now demanded that we have to affirm their confusion. No, I stand by my conviction and I stand on my conscience of what God says is right and wrong. No, that's not good enough anymore. Not only do they want to steal your free speech, they want to steal your thinking. And they want to begin to violate your conscience. That now, no, you have to affirm their confusion. 
and their delusion. Church, what happens when we're like, God, I need you to speak to me in this. God, I need to walk by my conviction. I need to walk by my conscience. And God, I need to know that I'm living in a day where they want to call God what you said right. They want to call it wrong. And God, what you said wrong, they want to call it right. And they want to go so far. Watch this, watch this. They want to go so far as to demand that you affirm their fantasy land. Church, we live in that day. We live in that day. And today it is my strong encouragement that we get back to understanding what it is to follow our our convictions and to stand firm in our convictions and to stand firm on God's word and stand firm in our moral compass to say, no, I'm not going in that direction. I'm not worried about what politics say. I'm not worried about what people say. I am very concerned about what God says because God is going to get, get, I am going to give an account and God will judge me. And in that, I'm going to stand on my convictions. I'm going to stand in my conscience, on my moral compass. My moral compass isn't broken. Therefore, I know right from wrong. And church, what happens when this fight, it is going to come. It is here. It's coming so much so that it's already here that there are those who are going to demand that you affirm their delusion. And you're the horrible person if you don't agree with their fantasy land. Wait a minute. No, are you telling me to violate my conscience? Well, you have to. (laughs) No, I don't. No, you have to affirm this. No, actually, I don't. What happens, watch this, what happens if the church actually begins to think for themselves again in a sense of a Bible line, in a sense of, God, I'm going to stand by my conscience that is according to your word. Now, please hear me. We're going to cover some things today that what happens when you have a conscience and you're like, well, I don't really believe that, so therefore, my conscience is good. No, the Bible says that when you come up against that decision of right versus wrong and you constantly pick wrong and then you come up to that decision of right and wrong and that moral compass is battling your spirit and you're like, ah, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do the wrong thing and you come up against that moral compass again and you know, man, I'm just, I keep choosing wrong. You know what the Bible says? That you, your conscience can become dull. It can, can become seared. Your conscience can become defiled. We're gonna cover these things today. This is what we're gonna look at today. So even if you say, my conscience is clear, but you're against the word of God and you're not following right and wrong according to God's word, that means your conscience has been seared. Come on, I want to get into this in Genesis 3. So where does the conscience come from? So when we look at this, we look right back to the very beginning. You've got Adam and Eve. I love this. Genesis 3, you've got Adam and Eve. They're just tending to the garden. God says, hey, Adam, don't touch this tree in the middle. And then Adam, of course, tells that to Eve. Eve, don't touch the tree in the middle. Don't eat its fruit. Satan shows up. Eve eats. Adam fails. Adam's accounted to sin. But there's something huge in this story. And I don't want you to miss this. Maybe you've not seen it before. And I love this because we have no idea, we have no idea how long they've been in the garden. This wasn't day eight, right? You have the sixth age of creation. God rested on the seventh. And then all of a sudden, day eight, right? Man, you failed on day eight. You didn't have like wasn't day eight, right? We don't know when this was. It could have been a year. It could have been a hundred years. We have no idea how long Adam and Eve were hanging out in the garden, right? Walking with the Lord God, talking with the Lord God, having this amazing fellowship with God, knowing don't eat this tree. There's fruit. Don't eat its fruit. So they knew, please hear me, they knew right from wrong. They knew we can't eat from that. That would be bad for us to eat from that tree. They knew that. I want us to see this. Come on, but 
I want you to get something. What something happened in the garden. Chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God has made. And please don't miss this, man. The, the, the serpent is Satan. Satan is still the greatest deceiver of all time. He's a murderer and he's a deceiver from the beginning. Here it is from the beginning. Like he's a murderer and he is the father of lies and he is a deceiver. And there's so many today that have bought into a lie. There's so many today that have bought into this transgender. There's so many today that have bought into something that is an absolute lie. There's so many today that have said that it's okay that these children get transitioned and take drugs that they can never go back. They can never go back from the place that they have taken. Church, we have got to be aware of the day that we live in as the church. We've got to be aware that there is a fight for that which is right and that which is wrong, biblically speaking. We've got to be aware that there is a very real enemy who is trying to trying to demand that you affirm that, that, this is, that this is okay and that you have to play in their fantasy land sandbox. And look, church, what happens when you and I say enough is enough? No, because I know the schemes of the enemy. I know that he is a liar, and I know that he is a deceiver. And we see it here, and it says this, verse 2, the woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but the fruit of the tree that's in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. And the serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die. Same lies. Church, same lies. Did God really say? What happens when your conscience gets seared? What happens when your conscience becomes dull? You begin to question what God said. Get, get, did God really say it should be male and female? Did God really say it should be a man and a woman and not a man and a man or a woman and a woman? Did God really say that I created you and you are fearfully and wonderfully made and I created you a man for my purpose and I created you a woman for my purpose and it's mocking God to change that? Did God really? This is how conscience becomes dull. The moral compass gets broke and then we find ourselves off course. And the serpent said to the woman, surely you will not die. For God knows that in the day that you, that you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God. Watch this. Knowing good and evil. What was the tree that God said, listen, Adam, don't touch it. Don't eat from it. It is the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Isn't it amazing that Satan knew that tree? Isn't it amazing that Satan calls out the name of the tree of good and evil? What is the knowledge of good and evil? What is the, the knowledge of good and evil is your conscience. And the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight for her eyes and the tree was desirable to make one wise. She took from it and ate. And she also gave to her husband who was with her and he ate. There's the sin. Look at verse. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Um, it says, then the eyes of both of them were opened. Then. Highlight that. Circle that. Online that. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. Then what? After they ate. After they walked in disobedience. After sin showed up. Again, we don't know how long they've been walking in this. That We have no idea how long they have been, been, been in the garden walking in fellowship of God. God would show up. They would walk with God. They would talk with God. They would fellowship with God. What an amazing picture of what it could have been. As soon as they sin, bang, immediately, and then both of their eyes were open. And watch what it says. 
and they knew that they were naked. Uh, they knew, okay, I can't touch this tree, can't eat from this tree. God says, don't do it. We know that we shouldn't do it. That would be disobedience. God said this, don't do it. Eve said, ah, do it. Adam took from Eve. They both ate. Sin showed up. And immediately both their eyes were open and they knew that they were naked. They never knew that before. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. And amazing, they tried to hide. And then they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man said, the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. And that just still true today when sin shows up and, and, and you're walking in your conscience and that moral comes and you're like, ah, and then you're like, I shouldn't, but I, ah, I shouldn't, but I, and then you walk in that way of sin and all of a sudden there's that guilt and that shame and you try to hide yourself and cover yourself and try to hide yourself from God. When you're in relationship with God, this is exactly what they tried to do. They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord and among the trees of the garden. And then the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. And he says this, I was afraid. For as long as Adam and Eve have been in the garden, they've never been afraid. Eve wasn't afraid of a talking snake. <laughs> Just saying. Like if a snake is in your house and he rolls up and he begins to speak to you, you might jump. Church, but this is, this is legit. Like, this is the first time that they were ever afraid of God. They're hiding themselves. God shows up. And I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. He says it twice. I was naked. The, both of their eyes were open and they knew. They've never seen it before. They knew that they were naked. God shows up because of their sin. Where are you? We hid ourselves. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Watch this. This is huge. I, want, I don't want you to miss this. This is what God says. And then God said, who told you you were naked? Church, I believe that they knew right from wrong. I believe that they understood. God said from the beginning, don't touch this tree. Don't eat from this tree. Adam, tell your wife. Eve, we're not allowed to touch from this tree. Satan shows up. Ah, come on. It's a tree of knowledge of good and evil. Conscience. But it's not just the first place of conscience because they were told not to do something and they understood that. Watch this. Watch this. Who told you that you were naked? I believe this is the first time that you see guilty conscience. I believe this is the first time you see where a man gets this guilty conscience where he hides himself and he's afraid of God. Because God said, who told you that you were naked? People, our conscience is real. Our conscience is from God. Guilty conscience is from sin. What happens if you see in Scripture That the word of God, the law of God is written on every man's heart. So where is the excuse? So I didn't know right from wrong. No, no, we know that murdering somebody is wrong. 
listen, this is where we believe that God is true. He is the creator of the heaven and the earth. He is the one who set the standard by which we live by. You know, for those who say, I don't believe in God, then where did the moral system come from? Then who said it's wrong to kill somebody? Who said it's wrong to rape somebody? Who said it's wrong to sleep with as many people as you want to? Who actually said it's wrong that, that a man can be with a man and a woman can be with a woman? Who, like, if there is no moral compass, if there is no God's standard, then there is no God's standard, then there is no standard. If you turn to Romans 2, I want, I want to prove a point today. I want you to see it over and over and over that a conscience has definitely come from God and our moral compass is that which is written within our heart. And we know right from wrong, but what happens if you just keep pushing right away, you just keep pushing right away, you just keep pushing right away, and you keep following that which is wrong, and you just keep pushing right away. The Bible is very clear that your conscience can become dull. Even though the law is written on every man's heart. I want you to see this. Come on. Romans 2 verse 15, it says this. In the way, show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience bearing witness. Their conscience, their, their moral compass bearing witness to the law. That's the word written in their hearts. Isn't it amazing that your compass, your moral compass, that which is your conscience, your thinker of right and wrong, it's in line, watch this, it's in line with the word of God. It's in line with the law and it's written in your heart. written in their hearts, their conscience bearing witness, and their thoughts alternately accusing or else defending them. This is the thoughts. This is, this is the conscience. This is what's taking place. Come on. Turn me, please, to 1 Timothy. Because I want you to see this, because there will be some that would say, I got a clear conscience. I'm good. No, I, I'm good. I got a clear conscience. No, I, I don't really actually believe this. I don't really believe that God sets the standard of right and wrong, and my conscience is good. No, the Bible speaks to that. God's word speaks to that. In the sense of, no, you had a conscience and you refused to do what's right and you continue to put away what was right and, and you, you refuse to live by your convictions and you refuse to live by your conscience. You refuse to live by, by your moral compass. Your moral compass is broken. Therefore, your conscience became dull. That's why you don't have any sharp edge to your conscience. That's why you don't stand for that which is right. Church, please hear me this. Please hear me in this. When you understand what it is that I live and believe in my conscience is good, I live and believe that there is right and there is wrong according to God's word, and my moral compass is intact. There's something that takes place in that that builds a confidence in you. No, I am good. No, I am confident. My moral compass is intact. I'm living by a system of right and wrong according to what God says is right and wrong. Church, there's a big, huge word in the church called righteousness. That just simply means right according to what God said is right. I want to be right according to what God said is right. And when I stand firm in my convictions, it might cost you something. When I stand firm in my conscience and say, no, nobody has the right to come in and, and demand that I violate my conscience. This is crazy what's happening right now. It's not okay for someone to think for you and tell you what you're supposed to think. That's crazy when it violates God's word, when it violates God's word. 
That's what happens when you know that the Holy Spirit has a voice and he is speaking through your conscience. God, I know the right thing to do. And I'm going to stand firm on my conscience. I'm going to keep my conscience clear. I'm going to stand firm on my convictions, no matter what it costs. I'm going to stand firm on my convictions. I am not going to allow them to get into my, my conscience and into my, my moral compass and demand that I affirm their crazy land. And I believe that's a mocking God. When God made you a man for his purpose and his glory and you change that, you're mocking God. I know more than God. That's what you're saying. I'm not playing that game of mocking God. No, you have to. I know I don't. I don't have to affirm your fantasy. I don't have to affirm your delusions. Church, what happens when there is this, this, this should be a true red flag to so many. There's this amazing movie called Sound of Freedom. If you saw it, you know it's a great movie about anti-trafficking, uh, and it's a true story. And this is a warrior in Tim Ballard who goes in, and this is just a true story. And you see the movie. I do not suggest it for young adults, for, for young kids. It's it just like, and I'm being honest with you, within the first three minutes of the movie, the warrior in me said, someone needs to die in this movie. Like, this, these people are evil people, just evil people that are taking children and violating children. It's evil, and we are against that, and we're anti that. But how is it that, that some of the love not left comes out and is anti this movie that's anti-sex trafficking? This is crazy. That should be a major red flag going, how are you against? against this action of going and saving children who are being used, abused, and raped. Like, how, how are you anti that? That's a red flag, church. Isn't it amazing they're just pushing it in our face, saying, no, you got to accept this. No, I'm not going to violate my conscience. Church, this is the Holy Spirit going, no, no, no. No right from wrong. Know your moral compass. Stand firm on your convictions. That's the voice of God. What happens when you say, ah, I'm not going to do what's right. No, I'm going to compromise my conviction. No, I'm going to compromise. I know that this is right, but I got to compromise. Church, do you think that when you stand for your conviction and you stand for that which is right, you think you're not going to take a hit? You know how many times my family has been threatened? You know how many times we take so many hits from the minnows online? I don't even know about it, but someone called me and told me, do you realize you're getting smoked on Facebook? This was just a couple weeks ago. I'm like, I don't really pay attention. I didn't know that. Well, it was so bad, Facebook had to take it down. Again, I don't care. It's not going to change my convictions. It's not going to change my conscience. Well, do you have any idea what they're saying about you? They have lost all their credibility because they're slanderous liars. They have no credibility. They make stuff up, they make stuff up, they make stuff up. They lie, they lie, they lie. They slander, they slander, they slander, and they have no credibility. Do you think when you stand for your convictions, you're not going to have to make some very serious decisions in your life? I'll tell you this, what happens, I love it because what happens when 
you stand so firm? Your moral compass, which is God's voice for you to say, I know right from wrong, and I stand on that which is right, that does something to your spirit. Church, it does something to your confidence to say, I stand in God as my judge. I stand and give account to God that maybe there's a day that I would hear, well done, my good and faithful servant, that it is our responsibility to say, God, I want to please you. Father, I want you to be proud of me as I stand firm as your ambassador here on the earth. Church, there's a job to do. There's a job to do. Don't let your conscience get dull. No matter how many times you see it, no many times you hear it, don't let your conscience become dull. You'll lose your confidence. First Timothy chapter four, please, I want you to see this. Verse four, chapter one, I mean, chapter four, verse one says this, but the Spirit explicitly says, that's the Spirit of God. That's the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit explicitly says that in later times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrine of demons. That's today. How many people are falling away from faith? How many people are, are saying, oh, I once was a Christian, but I'm not a Christian anymore. How many people are falling away, rejecting Christ now, following these doctrines of demons? How many churches have fallen away now flying a rainbow flag just in the whole inclusion nesting? Like, how, how many people are falling away? This, this is that day. This is that season. They've lost their conscience. They've lost their moral compass. They've lost the idea of conviction. They've lost the idea of right and wrong. This is that day. The Spirit explicitly, this is from the Holy Spirit explicitly says that in later times some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons by means of the hypocrisy of liars seared in their own conscience with a branding iron. Come on, look at 1 Timothy 1, please. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18. This command I entrust to you, Timothy, my son, in accordance to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you fight the good fight, keeping the faith and a good conscience. Look how important this is. This is Paul. He's on his way out and said, Timothy, know this. According to that which has been spoken over you by prophecy, you are called to be in ministry. And in that, I encourage you to fight the good fight. This, this is Paul's words to his son in the faith, Timothy. Fight the good fight. Keep the faith and keep a good conscience. See how important this is. Keep that moral compass intact. If your compass is broke, you're in the wrong direction. This is what Paul is saying to his son in the faith. This is huge. Keep the good fight. Keep the faith. And Timothy, you need to keep intact a good conscience. Let your conscience, have you ever heard, let your conscience be your guide. That only works when your conscience is intact. That only works when the compass is intact. If the comp compass is broken, I'm just going to let my conscience be my guide. Well, if your compass is broken, your conscience is broken. Be very careful and let your conscience be your guide if you have a dull, severed, seared conscience. Be very careful. 
Be very careful. Watch this. Keeping faith in a good conscience which some have rejected and suffered shipwreck regard to their faith. Some have rejected and shipwrecked in regard to their faith. Titus 2.15, I want you to see this. Put that up on the screen, please. Titus 2.15. Simply says this, to the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure, but both their minds and their heart. Can you put that up there? Both their minds and their heart and their conscience have been defiled. Both their mind and their heart and their conscience has been defiled. Their conscience, their conscience, their thinker, their moral compass, their moral awareness has been defiled. The word defiled, it means it's been corrupted. See, just because you have a clear conscience doesn't mean that you're okay. If you've continuously pushed the limits of right and wrong, say, ah, nope, I'm not going to do what's right. Nope, I know right from wrong, but I choose wrong. I know right from wrong, but I choose wrong. I know right from wrong, but I choose wrong. The Bible is very clear that your conscience has been corrupted. Your conscience has been defiled. Here's what happens when you see this. To the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. For both their mind and their conscience have been corrupted. Please know this, men. We are encouraged to keep fighting the fight, to keep the faith, and to make sure that you have a good conscience. okay to go to battle with your conscience as long as your conscience wins. Paul, again, he says this, man, I do what I don't want to do. And man, I think what I don't want to think. And I'm just back and forth. And I know it. And ah, wretched man that I am. And he's going back and forth. And he's going back and forth. That's a fight with the conscience. But it's thanks be to God who gives us the victory in Christ Jesus. Corinthians 4 4. I want you to see this. It'll be up on the screen. This is kind of like that, that nail in the coffin of, well, I got my, I'm good. My conscience is clear. I'm all right. Maybe not. Because the world would come and say, listen, I, listen, preacher, I have a clear conscience. I can live this way all I want to. I'm not convicted. that's because it's been severed, it's been dulled, it's been seared. And your compass is broke. And Paul speaks to this. I love this. My conscience is clear. But that doesn't prove I'm right. My conscience is clear. But that doesn't prove I'm right. This is a New Living Version. I, I felt as I went through this verse, they, they really brought it out the clearest. My conscience is clear, but that doesn't prove I'm right. It is the Lord himself who will examine me and decide. It is the Lord himself who will examine me and decide. Just because somebody has a clear conscience, it doesn't mean they're right. It very well could be your conscience has been severed. Your conscience has become dull. Your conscience 
has become defiled and corrupt. And your compass is broke. Church, it is my hope today that the Holy Spirit will begin to speak into your spirit again today. If you know that your conscience has been seared, you know that your moral compass has been broken. Maybe you have walked in a line to kind of affirm things that you know are not right. No, God says it's right, but man, I, 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 I've got to affirm this or I've got to, no, you don't. We're called to live by our convictions. We're called to live by a moral compass of our conscience of what God says is right and wrong. walk in this beautiful, healthy, holy fear of God. If you fear man and you don't fear God, the Bible says in Proverbs 29 that it will be a snare to you. You will be entrapped. You will be entrapped. I think so many people are entrapped. I think good people, even people who love Jesus, have found themselves entrapped because they're so worried about what man thinks. It's time to break through that today. It's time to break through that today. Come on, last verse, Acts 23. And this is kind of like, this is our hope right here. This is kind of, uh, the end for Paul is starting to wind down. You see it through Acts 23, 24, 25, 26. You see, you see we're now... You know, he's gone through the beatings. He's gone through the stoning. He's gone through the whippings. He's gone through different things. And he's about to be shipwrecked. And he's just going through all these things. He's finally been arrested, kind of like the last time. And you've got, you've got people that are just, just truly just following Paul, harassing Paul, doing everything they can to get arrest Paul, to get Paul off of the whole ministry train because Paul would speak Jesus and he would speak resurrection. And they hated, the Jews hated that Jesus was resurrected because that screwed up all their plans. And Paul would, no, Jesus resurrected, no, Jesus. And they did everything they could to take Paul out, arrest him, beat him, go through violating trial after trial, and they finally get to this place. And, and this is, in all of everything that Paul has gone through, you hope that you can find yourself in Paul's position here. And he just simply says this, Acts 23, verse 1, Paul looking intently at the council. I mean, you gotta, you gotta imagine the gaze on Paul's face that he is intent. Man, he is determined. His face is stone. And he's looking at the council, his accusers, who've been after him and after him and after him and after him and everywhere he would go, they would follow him and, and lie about him and slander him and blaspheme him and they would go after him and after him and after him. Finally, is this place. I love this. Paul looking intently at the council said, brother, and I have lived my life with a perfectly good, watch this, a perfectly good conscience before God up to this day. I have looked at the door of right and wrong 
and I've chosen right. There's a battle for it, but I chose right. I've come to the door of right and wrong, and my conscience, by the voice of the Holy Spirit, say, this is right. It was a battle, but I choose right. I have lived by my convictions. I have lived by my conscience, which is good, and I stand before you today because I've stood before God with a good conscience. It would be amazing for all of us to be able to say that. Come on, someone say amen. Come on, one more time. Someone say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How's your conscience? Come on, if you just bow your heads. I just want to pray. And if anybody needs prayer for any reason this morning, we want to pray with you. If you want to talk more about Jesus, we love to talk about Jesus. Lead you to the cross. But man, my heart is this today. Like, has your conscience become dull? Where's your convictions? In this day, when they want you, they, meaning majority of people, watch this, meaning government, meaning even school systems, that they want you to compromise your convictions to compromise your conscience. And if you don't compromise according to their fantasy, then you're the bad guy. It's crazy. Church, what is it? To just simply ask the question today, has my conscience become dull? I allow the lies of the enemy to come in and defile my conscience? Or am I able to be as Paul who said, he looked intently at the council and said, I have lived before God up to this day with a good conscience. I have lived by my biblical convictions. I have lived according to my moral compass. There has been fights at times. There has been losses at times. But I've come back to correct my compass. not going to fall into the pattern of those who will call right wrong and those who will call what God says is wrong they want to affirm it as right this is that day maybe you're here and you're like man my moral compass has been off I just pray as Katie sings this morning you would just say, God, sharpen my conscience again. God, it's been dulled. I fall into this pattern. God, I fall into the, this, this moral compass has been broken. God, I've been choosing wrong. I've been choosing wrong. I've been choosing wrong. I've been choosing wrong. God, I need to repent and I need to turn. God, help me in, in my conscience this morning. God, by the voice of your spirit within my spirit, help me to sharpen my conscience today to be able to identify right and wrong again and stand firm unafraid of my convictions biblically. God, sharpen my conscience again. God, sharpen my conscience again. Dear Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word, God. We thank you that by your spirit you do a mighty work, a mighty work in us. As your word goes forth, it is alive and it is powerful. And you can speak to us in this moment. God, I pray for all of us 
Understand, there have been moments, God, there's been moments that I have become dull, and today's a day. Right here, right now, we ask that you sharpen us, God. You bring back a conviction, a Holy Spirit conviction to your word. God, that you would sharpen our conscience. And then we'll fight the good fight. We'll stand firm in our faith. And we will live by a good conscience at all costs. At all costs. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Come on, you may stand to your feet, please. And if Katie, as Katie's singing, you need prayer for any reason. Come on. We have seek tonight. Please don't miss seek tonight, 6 o'clock. We'll pray for you. Have a great time of worship. The guys in the back, when she is done singing, could you please uh, follow Dan Gonska's lead and just kind of stack, stack those chairs for me, please, in this back section. Come on, amen.